What's going on, everybody? You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Coat. And I am the sports card cartel. There you go. I love it. So today's going to be a super fun one. And the reason why it's going to be super fun is because uh, there are, as usual, tons of high profile sales in basically every sport in the last week or so since we had Marco Berry on. And uh, we're going to shoot the shit about some of those. So I think that what most what interests us most, and you know, obviously I would be just throwing this out there. You can say that you're wrong, uh, that I'm wrong, is the hockey market and how the hockey market is taking off. We've talked about this a few times, but now vintage hockey's taken off, and you are on top of this. I think you know, out of the two of us, definitely more than myself. Um, but what are you, what are you seeing in the vintage market? What, what are your, what are you targeting anybody? That was, that was a sneaky way of calling me old. All right. Mm, I got yeah, you. I guess. Okay. I guess. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, it took a little bit, eh? But, uh, eventually the wheels started turning and now we've got people outside of the hockey card world sniffing around We've got people inside the hockey card world maybe questioning what they've been doing the last 15, 20 years while they've been dragging their feet. And we've got an approaching hockey season, a hot prospect, and a big sale, right? So all of these ingredients, I think a lot of people should have seen this coming. The perfect storm, uh, you are now hearing other uh, representatives of other sports card markets starting to slowly slide into the DMs of the hockey world. Um, yeah, uh, you know, ultimately it's a sad story for me when it comes to vintage. It is something that I've taken for granted. Um, having grown up in that world, my first ever hockey set that my father purchased for me from an old store back in the day in Thornhill. Um, this was a card and coin shop that mostly focused on the hottest commodities at the time, which were probably coins and uh stamps and that sort of thing and they had their hockey cards in the back so this was around 1988 1989 and i picked out a i was able to get one set and all the sets were similarly priced at about 50 dollars each at the time which was a lot of money and i picked out the 8485 set because i was a big steve eiserman fan and that was his rookie um come to find out as, as a as a kid there's a lot of other great rookies in that 8485 sets one of the greatest sets opc ever produced um, literally ever yeah. and going back or, or, or going forward 80, 45, that rookie roster of hall of famers is fantastic. So, you know, I've got my binders full of memories, full of very important memories. Um, I have sets ranging from 80, 81 till the early nineties and I have them in binders and I have been plucking through them lately. I'm not going to lie, uh, with the prices as they are for graded, uh, copies and, Mine having been under plastic for all these decades, I'm plucking them. And I am also uh, pursuing with a renewed vigor my, my personal Gretzky collection. Uh, but at this point, paying incredibly inflated prices versus the past few years. Yeah. It's going to be very daunting for someone like yourself entering the vintage market. And let's you know clear it out of the way. I'm okay with you calling the 90s vintage. Yeah. I think man. we talked... We talked a little bit about how I think you're, it's supposed to be something like uh, if something is 
closer to 50 years old. Back in the day, it was vintage, but now it's like 25 to 50 years old. You can start qualifying it. I'm like, uh, if, it was, if it was around before I was born, I'm going to say it was vintage, you know? Well, I was like, going to say, just, some of this stuff that, that I, that I grabbed from you that you're going to be picking up is right <laughs> around the year of your birth, I would imagine. I think I'm going to be cracking wax. And I did actually crack this, this week wax from before I was born. So that was pretty cool. So there you go. Uh, so, so, you know, subjectively, like for you, you know, that, that's, that is something. If something came out before you were even born, that, that is something mytho- near mythological and vintage. And that's, that's the feel you want yeah. for, for true vintage. Most people discuss vintage in, in the sense that they're talking about the 70s and before that, maybe even now starting to include uh, the 80s. But once the, the, the true delineation that's happening there is that once you start creeping in the 70s and, and then definitely into the 80s, mass production. And there are enough people reminding people that for all those Luka Doncic's and all those Zions and all those Connors, if you go back and take a look at the numbers, in fact, Mr. Markleberry uh, uh, reminded us during the podcast last week that uh, there are enough 89 Upper Deck Ken Griffey Juniors to go around. And believe me, there are enough of these vintage hockey cards to go around. Now, when you find them in the wild, you will see the wildest centering, the scruffiest edges, the most rounded corners you've ever seen in your life. And uh, that is, again, also a function of everything that's happening here. It is not easy to, to get your hands on a PSA 10 of any of these cards that we're about to discuss, Mario, Patrick, they are not easy. They never were. They weren't even even easy back in the day when I should have been accumulating. Uh, and a lot of people did. A lot of people accumulated knowing this full well. For some reason, I thought I had a good another five, 10 years where I could drag my feet. And I think a lot of people felt that way. And here we are in a pandemic world. And I made a post uh, when the Mike Medano PSA 10 OPG premiere sold for 250 US dollars. This traditionally 30 to $50 card, if that, overnight, um, I, made, I made the point that all bets are off. We are five to 10 times on fast forward. We are back to the future and future to the back. It's, it's just, it's haywire. We are, we're, we're, we're caught in this pandemic um, novel situation. And, uh, you know, so at this point, everyone is kind of jumping in with with that in mind but with a lot of new people entering they don't have that perspective yeah they're just like these are the names let's let's grab these names and um just so people know if you see that psa 10 gretzky have you seen a, a picture of that gretzky yeah yeah no i've looked at it thoroughly it is uh it's butchered up man the corners are like well, not the corners the edges are real like they're they're frazzled and it doesn't look like it's traditionally centered. Like there's a lot of things that it's a beautiful card, but it definitely doesn't look like if I was using my eyes to find a, uh, a raw PSA 10, right. it doesn't look like it would be a PSA 10. So, so this is important, right? Your, your, your eyes are the eyes of someone yeah. looking at this situation play out right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I, and I wouldn't use the term butchered. I mean, it's, it's still a, a nice card. It's got could, deep- and, and, that, and that's why I had to justify it. You know, like I had right. to explain but like based on like if that if a card if a modern card looked like that it would be like a 4 you know what i mean like or it'd be like a 6 let's say 6 look and let's be real here you you can find then you can find 80s baseball in flawless condition and i, I mean, mean i would expect yeah. that 
Yeah. Right? If, if I'm getting a, a McGuire yeah. PSA 1085 tops, I expect, you know, yeah. that it's going to be flawless. I agree. Uh, which is not to say it's not difficult. No. But I know flawless ones exist. There is no such thing as a flawless rescue. I agree. And that, that, that's a function of the way that it was produced and the way yeah. that OPG made cards. Uh, I, you know what I forgot to do is look at the tops one, but I'm assuming the tops one looked sharp because they I, were, I they so were too, be, yeah, it, because they, they, it was just produced differently, right? Like it, yeah. they, they're typically a little sharper. Yeah. Right. But, but with that, with the, with the OPG Gretzky, the, the deep, rich colors, uh, pretty much centering on point, you're, you're not going to find edges that are super sharp. By the way, yeah. if you do, you better second guess that card. And yeah. When Beckett started grading uh, hockey cards in the BVG arena, the Beckett vintage grading, uh, I really didn't like what I was seeing and what I'd heard. And again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to, you know, be using the podcast as a forum to start spreading misinformation. So everything has the caveat of, you know, buyer beware and do your research and don't do always research. listen to the cartel. Yeah. Maybe the cartel is out of his mind. Yeah. But maybe the cartel knows something. I don't know. But uh, the rumor at the time was... Um, a lot of people were cutting up sheets, uh, complete sheets that they had. Listen, I have friends that have complete sheets from the 80s. They, they, they hang them up. They're, they're, they're beautiful on your wall. There's a big market for them. But I'd heard someone was cutting them up themselves. And Beckett was grading them, knowing full well that that was the case. That really bothered me because those people cutting them up are not a card company. Yeah. They're just a guy in his garage who has an expensive piece of machinery, right? Yeah. So. Or maybe even scissors. I, I listen, right? I, I never, I've never gone there. I don't know what that process is. But I was looking at a lot of these cards. I remember about five, ten years ago, I was on a hunt, which again, unfortunately, I never completed. I dragged my feet. I was looking for a, a gem mint Ron Francis rookie card, 82, 83 OPG, and every single one that I found, uh, I never found a PSA. I kept finding 9.5s, and they looked perfect. And uh, they looked so perfect that it bothered me. That's not how I know my OPG cards. Um, so a lot of cases, you'll see PSA 9s, PSA 10s with those rough edges taken into account, especially by PSA. They know how those cards were produced. Um, so that starts to kind of bleed into the issue of, you know, how you feel about what's in the slab. And we'll get there as well. Uh, but uh, uh I'm trying to kind of follow my, my own uh, thought process here, but I'm talking about the population of the cards and the way that they look. Right. Yep. At least I, at least I think that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you're at. And um, yeah. So, you know, as another example, I am looking at, so let's get into your territory. You've got some cool stuff waiting for you. 90, 91 score. Yeah. 91, 92 upper deck. And again, this is going to become a, a very hockey centric podcast, I guess, because there were crazy sales recently. Uh, particularly of the French language versions of a lot of these cards. It's almost like a scramble. People are, are taking a look at the Hall of Fame list. By the way, there's a lot of big opportunities without even naming specific names. And you're scratching your chin. And I know, you know, you, you're, you're already on the lookout because yeah. some, some, some guys have not been caught on to yet. Yeah. And if people are paying big on Hashik and Medano and Jager, the Jager Premier is now hitting record highs, closing in on 500 USD. This is a card that was very attainable. In the hundred to two hundred USD. Well, uh, you age. looked up. You looked up the Lemieux man. What's that setting at? Let everybody know what Lemieux. So I think is. that that we just saw that sale of twenty one thousand. Whether or not it was legit or not, let's bear in mind so much that goes on behind the scenes. But twenty grand again, not surprising. Some people may call him the second greatest of all time. And uh, the PSA nine cashing in at five thousand. The Patrick Waugh PSA ten is running at around five thousand, and a PSA nine at fifteen hundred. 
you know, a PSA nine patch wall that I definitely dragged my feet on could have been obtainable at about three, 400, uh, not long ago, maybe even a, a year ago. Um, but these guys are catching on that's 86, right? 85, 86. Then we start crawling up. Okay. There's, there's, there's some guys there. There's a lot there's of guys the, there and there's guys there's that, the golden that bread. Um, I watched a few of them Joe play Sack. hockey, man. I'm pretty excited. And that's why I got so fired up when I started cracking that old wax. Albeit it was 20, 20, I lied. It was 1990 Bowman. And like, it's funny because I ended up posting, you know, some of my pack openings. And one of the consensus things people were saying was that, that you know, that pack, that, that box in general is worth pennies. And I'm like, I completely, you know what it, uh, by all accounts it is. Um, however, the one thing that I do know is that things shift quite quickly in this hobby. And that's number one. Number two, it is, it was completely sealed and, uh, in, in absolutely pristine condition. I pulled a lot of them with really nice centering and honestly, you never know. But aside from that, aside from the money factor, okay, because obviously we know where most of us want to make money on our investments, whatever. I spent $15 because that's how much that box cost. And that gave me between looking up comps, openings, opening the packs up, uh, searching up older players, you know, maybe seeing Paul Coffey in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform and being like, holy shit, he played for Pittsburgh. And then I go in this deep dive with Paul Coffey. I probably spend four hours of my life. And if you were going to ask me, you know, hey, you want to spend $15 and uh, be occupied for four hours? You know how many things I spend money on that occupy me for much less time than, than four hours? I will 100% take that every single day to the bank. Now, if That's I brilliant. keep buying those and ripping them, obviously they're not as fun. But like, you know, it's just, it's about why you're collecting, you know? And like, don't let anyone tell you that you're, you're buying crap or you know you're buying things that are worth pennies because like to you they might mean they might mean so much they might it might invigorate your passion in hockey you know and that that's what we're looking for that's brilliant and i love that you're so passionate about like if you think about it it's almost like the equivalent of me maybe like opening something from like the early to mid 80s you know what yeah. i mean like why not and, and then and then for me you know like i spent new year's cracking um stuff from 9091 uh, when I was first getting into it with, with wide eyes and like, man, that was it. Look, I don't want to get into the details of what I pulled. Um, and you know what? A lot of cards in, in, in old junk wax, by the way, PS are, are not going to be in perfect shape, but I mean, you cannot, you can't replace that experience. The feelings that I have going through these packs that I went through with my 10 year old hands uh, with, with my, you know, my very much older hands at this point. So pulling Yager rookies, pulling uh, Hashik, Forsberg, uh, come on. The, the entertainment value alone is, is tremendous. Now there's the added value and people looking for these cards. Um, the, the wax is still incredibly affordable, right? So people are, it's interesting. They're talking down about something being affordable. I, I mean, how can you do that knowing full well what we're seeing, right? Make any I mean, sense. A few years ago, talking about that, that golf, the upper deck 2001 golf, you, Let's you know, you talk about that for two you're seconds, talking down junk wax. Now look at it. Right. So, yeah, well, I mean, you were saying that back, back a few years, the Tiger Woods rookie card, like the one that comes that, that the card that seems to be selling for, you know, by the way, it's selling for like 1200 or $1,700 PSA 10 right now. 
uh, on the anticipation of his documentary to be released on January 10th and 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me. Um, however, his PSA 10 has shot up like 10 times. Um, and what's crazy is that this at one point was junk wax. It was by all accounts, junk wax. You know, people were throwing these things around. There were copious amounts of these cards out there. If you go on eBay right now, I guarantee you, you probably can't find a Tiger Woods card for less than 20 bucks. So everything changes. It just depends on how many people want their hands in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's uh, the tie that, you know, the, the, the upper deck golf stuff is a good example of the, 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 the complex life cycle you can see in a product because it, it comes out and it causes waves because it's new to the market. They're, they're, they're bringing in a new sport. It's anchored by a charismatic, incredibly popular athlete. Plus you've got the legends in there, Jack Nicholas, et cetera. And, you know, the product builds, grading starts to add value, but then you watch the player's performance and his life. And eventually the guy crashes into a tree and whatever other details you want to get into, and the market crashes, right? And it goes back. And and again, it's nestled into that area where, because of the amount that was made and because of everything else that was going on in the hobby at the time, it it gets clumped into being junk wax. And um, here we have another new revival, which is just kind of a reminder that, um, you know, things will go, things will head up, things will head head down. A lot of stuff's heading up right now, but we have to be aware of uh, all the different circumstances that can come into play. People are learning this right away that are new to the hobby. People that were uh, betting big on John Morant and continuously buying up at very high prices towards the injury. People are going to be learning fast about all those different elements that start to contribute. You want to hear something crazy about vintage? What's that? Vintage players can't get injured. That's right. A lot of people talk about the safety of the investment. And I'll tell you, it's even better. And their career is already solidified. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, well, you know, again, it, then it just boils down to, is this person going to do something in their life that may affect, you know, in a good or, or a bad way, the, 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 the card itself? Yeah. Um, I believe it was... Uh, what is that shop in California? Um, the uh, Coffee coffee and Cards, is that it? Not Coffee and Cards. Uh, they've been around a little bit longer. I've actually bought from them. And again, I'm having my cartel, cartel moment here. The, the, we're going to start calling it the cartel moment. The cartel moment where what's, the old man podcast where he just blanks ponders <laughs> what the state of his brain is. Um, it's a it's a shop in California that starts with the C. It's okay, it's okay. You don't need to do My it. God, where are we? Where, what about the shop? He posted a great. Uh, the gentleman that runs it posted a great video the other day where he talked about. Um, I'm going to try to look this up in the meantime, like I always do. Yeah. He, he's, he talked about exactly what we just did, which is that there's that safety in, in collecting uh, retired legends and that sort of thing. But he really kind of expanded my brain when, when he, he, again, it's pointing out what we all should know anyways and what yeah. I did know. Yeah. But it's just the way that he put it. He got really deep. And that's what you should be doing is you should be deep diving. And the concept is this. Look, Brendan, who are the players that, that when you were younger, they really uh, struck a chord with you? Right. And you don't even, you can name one or two or maybe like name Matt a couple Sundin. in any sports, by Matt the way, Sundin. Matt Sundin struck a chord with you. Yep. So you followed his career. You followed everything about him. You followed 
the, the, his country, you, you, you collected his cards, right? You, you created that connection. And by the way, so did I, and so did a lot of other uh, kids in Toronto, right? And so did a lot of other kids in his native Sweden. Sweden. Sweden? Yeah. Right. And so did a lot of people who were in Quebec. And so did a lot of people, right? You understand what, where, yeah. where I'm going with Vancouver. this, right? Everywhere he went, yeah. he, he touched a, a group of people yeah. and affected them, got in their head and created collectors, supporters, lovers, etc. In the case of Yaramir Yager, a lot of young, hot lovers. Um, and... Then you extend this out to, you know, let's, let's take baseball as an example or football, something very Americana. You know, you, you talk about the player growing up in high school and the accumulation of people around them, watching them develop and supporting them. And then they go to university and then they, they, they head off to their pro ball team and they play a 20 year career where they go to multiple, uh, multiple teams. They're on TV. They touch people that aren't even near the markets, but they can turn on a television and you have a legion of interested people and whether they were always interested or maybe they've been asleep at the wheel a little bit, but they've woken up because they've got a lot more time on their hands during the pandemic. They want their cards. They want Tiger Woods. They want Mario Lemieux. They want Eric Lindros. I'm just throwing out everything under the sun here. They they want David Robinson. I mean, David Robinson was the player I was into with basketball back in the day. You want to hear what I was looking up this morning? What's that? Michael Phelps rookie cards. Why the hell not, man? I mean, and, and that I'm guy curious. was on the cover of every magazine for a period of time. Arguably the most dominant Olympian of all time. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, actually, though, and and I, I don't know if this is this is what's going ca- like, to catapult this guy's cards, but I'm definitely considering it because if anything happens close to the Tiger Woods thing, I'm going to be sitting there again, regretting just not having at least one, you know? So two, so two things. Number one, it's called Burbank Sports Cards. There you go. There and, you go. And number two. Dominant, man. What's wrong with you? And, I, and number two, uh, well, actually, okay, so three things. Number two, I need help. Uh, number three, right, I- exactly what you're saying. And, and I, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Look, uh, pro wrestling blew up, right? Um, and I'm a pro wrestling fan first and foremost. Me too. I mean, I was, I was for like 15 years when I was a kid, you know what I mean? And like, right. It, you, almost feel, you almost feel cheated. You're like, how is it that someone who probably doesn't love them as much as I used to has this card now? And I don't. Because they're card collectors and they were in the card collecting world. And even though I was in the card collecting world, yeah. I wasn't in that sector, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I was balls deep, which is, terrifyingly disturbing in that in that in that again it's you can call it a sport you can call it entertainment to yeah. me it's it's athletic entertainment um and that is just blowing up huge amongst collectors right now and like you said a lot of the, in a lot of the cases they're not even really necessarily into it yeah but uh as a wrestling fan my mind is racing with uh all all the people that i know that were a big deal that maybe yeah. are going to be off the beaten path Um, tonight is Russell kingdom, which is the biggest event in Japan, which is their version of WrestleMania. And I'm looking up cards of their top stars right now. And they exist. Russell kingdom leaf printed a lot of them. Yeah. It's called Russell kingdom. Really? I believe it's Russell kingdom 15 this year. And it's a two night event. I'm going to be up till 6 AM Eastern time today doing what the cartel does, which is watching Puro Resu. So uh, doing what the cartel does and going to bed when I wake up. 
as you exactly we yeah. we are on that that's that's how you and i cover the entire day yeah yeah yeah. um it's it's a beautiful thing actually if you think about it but yeah i i'm looking at that by the way I'm, I'm i'm gonna throw it out there so that maybe if something happens we can bring it back to the podcast and say that we we broke the news yeah do you do you remember a young lady named and may she rest in peace Joni Laurer, aka china yeah of course it's yeah, gonna yeah. be people mad at me right now okay but let me tell you something she was billed as the eighth wonder of the world who was the seventh i don't know andre the giant really and everybody loves andre the giant china was billed as the eighth wonder of the world she got in there and mixed it up with the, with the boys uh she was built to be uh intimidating enough to believe that she could get in the ring with stone cold steve austin and it even intimidate him okay her life was tragic um but at the end of the day she accomplished a lot it was a big deal for 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 women in sports and wrestling regardless of how people want to look at it uh she was in playboy a couple times i i mentioned that because it's pertinent to the popular culture yeah, yeah of course it's that's it's, a, that those are some cards i believe people need to start paying attention to um, what's that chris stratus hey man trish stratus canadian legend yeah man all right so we should probably stop now because we're just at this point we're just like <laughs> oh sports card investors ruining it listen but we're not telling anyone to buy these names we're just that's going, true we're going we're to memory lane right now we're just going to right. memory lane, you know, like it, it's, I'm not by any means being like, oh my God, go buy this card. And it's going to three, four, five times. Right. Like, yep. we just, and that's the thing. We just have conversations and we, we see what happens a week later. You know, that's basically, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen those big bumps happening with uh, uh, let's throw some out there. Mike Tyson, uh, a variety of soccer players. Yes. Your, your mindset there is correct. You start looking around and the, and the cool thing is right. With Michael Phelps, I mean, you you lived, you were in the prime of your life during that, during those Olympics, right? So you have connections to that beyond just the fact that you want to buy, sell, flip, etc. Yeah, I think that's the best yeah. when you can get both, because the concept is if I'm sitting on a card that I know is for investment, in the meantime, I'm really enjoying owning it. Um, I'll be honest, like if the basketball stuff for me, yeah. I don't find any enjoyment in the meantime. Okay, yeah, right. That's just for me, yeah. um, but. You know, anything that I'm buying, investing in, it's a super bonus if I can put it on display and enjoy it in the meantime, not be in a rush to move it. Um, that kind of combines. Phelps was also one of the first athletes to like be known to smoke weed, man. And like they talked openly about it. And like people used to demonize it. And like this guy was out crushing metals left, right, and center while hitting his bong. And people would make a joke about it, but like, you know hey. what I mean? It, it was the, part of his recovery. The the Diaz brothers, speaking of weed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, UFC kind of finally broke this year. I'm seeing it. It's a very slow crawl compared to other sports. But cards I was selling in the $50 range have now doubled. Uh, we talked about the big Habib sale. Georges St. Pierre might be the greatest of all time. A lot of people are more apt to discuss Habib and John Jones because they're still fighting. Uh, in Habib's case, he might not be, but GSP has been off a little while. He's a guy you might want to look at. Um, do you, um, how do you feel about Chuck Liddell as someone who like basically like started yep. the, the whole UFC boom? I think, I think he was, he's, the also, first he's also on the, uh, short list. He's at Liddell. It's not a huge list for, for oh. UFC. No need to apologize, but Anyone with an enterprising mind knows if someone is out there, in, if the, if rappers are rapping about them. Yeah. By the way, rest in peace to MF Doom, 
yeah. Daniel Demille, one of the one an incredibly important, influential modern artist who's actually been around longer than you might think. There are there are Yo MTV Raps cards of his. Yeah. Again, we're just dropping nuggets here, left right. and right. This but he, he used to drop. Yeah, and and you know those those music cards. That's another avenue. Um, the uh, the concept there. He he rapped a lot about uh, athletes, pro wrestlers. If you're getting rapped about, if there are stories about you in the fabric of the culture, and you're also popping up on TV and movies, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, of course, Brock Lesnar. Um, these are I know, in a lot of cases we're not we're not blowing anyone's minds with these guys, but oh, yes, that, that is the yeah. that is something you should be looking at. Yeah. The, the UFC market's tough that way, man. Like it's so a lot of fighters are kind of uh, fringe and they have cult followings. The the average UFC fan that I that I meet that's not really into mixed martial arts, they know the big names. When they watch a card, they're just watching for the top. I'm watching every fighter and every match and on the on the 15 yeah. or so matches in a cart so and yeah a lot of them even if they're winning you you mention their name and people are like i, I don't i don't really know this guy um but yeah if if, if you're going in and, and digging in uh into the mixed martial arts world uh there's legends out there and there are people that are in the the in, in people's consciousness yeah that you should be looking out for for sure that's the first name i think of when i uh when i when i think of the ufc even now you know what i mean like even now yeah. it's it's uh and big shout out to Brock Lesnar because that was my favorite wrestler, man. Yeah, favorite wrestler. He's and again, I, I I'm not 100 sure of this. There are there's we there's accounts we've talked about that have better perspective on this. I'm pretty sure he might he might have football cards. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think he's like he was, on the, he was on the Vikings practice squad or something. I don't know what it was. But he did. There's a card with him as a Viking, a Minnesota Viking. Um, Pro wrestling cards and MMA cards. I know tons. And there are autographs in the MMA cards as well, right? So, so cool. I love cards, man. They're just they're something special. There's something new we every all, day. We all love them. Every day we when I look them. when I look in a deep dive, I find something really damn cool that I had no idea existed, or something that's like price crazy, either high or low. It is yeah, our main man, Electric, who was one of, who was our first guest on the podcast. Uh, again, really recommend that you check out uh, his account, Electric underscore cards, I believe it is. Yeah. Um, he was showing off that Jimi Hendrix, which so was a 1969 Panini product. You want to start talking about history of the hobby in addition to the fact that it's a Jimi Hendrix card? I think you could argue rookie card, uh, although he might have older ones too, Maybe. but um, that's just fantastic stuff. And you, you can find stuff today, even as an old man, like myself going through, going through things, I can still find stuff today that is new to me and blows my mind. You are going to be quadruple that obviously, as you go through things. Um, but that being said, nostalgia memories that they're not limited to just these four edges and corners right so we've been seeing a lot of crossover talk on instagram about comic books about other realms of memorabilia that really speak to the nostalgia uh, of certain generational groups and i'll have you know this brendan my generational group is leading the way and these are people that grew up with super mario brothers and uh and um 
certain certain comic book titles that are now all the rage and and they are experiencing not surprisingly similar market bump ups as I we've actually, been seeing i actually just sold uh the first super mario for the game boy yesterday like literally on ebay i sold what it did you get for it no no uh i took 20 bucks does it not have much value no apparently not but also i it just i didn't love it that i was never the biggest super mario fan and it might i i found this thing in my closet it's just sitting there i it's not respected with me you know what i mean i would much rather like i put it at auction and it ended up garnering 20 bucks but I would much rather someone, and it's funny because I sent the guy a message. I was like, hey, like I'm going to ship as soon as, you know, Monday hits, first business day after the holiday. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. Like, I can't wait to get it. Like, I literally just bought a Game Boy to play this game. And I was like, you see, I know I made the right decision in selling this thing. Like, it could very well get up to like uh, like $100 in three months with this market. But like, someone else enjoying it, like, is way better than it sitting in my closet. Let me tell you, man, I got an original Game Boy out of like a 91 Sears wish book, okay? Damn. And I picked it up and uh, I, I played the hell out of that. And Super Mario Bros. is a big deal, you know, again, because I was also on that front line of the first rollouts of Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, and we just played the hell out of that game. We played Mario Brothers 2. We played Mario Brothers 3. I mean, I was, I was getting out of it right around the time everyone was getting into Super Mario, Super Mario Kart, the, yeah. the racing and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. That's when I was heading out. So, um, but now you're seeing that that grading is starting to affect all these different industries as well, which also drives demand and value. It has a lot of people digging into their closets, right? So that's another kind of interesting element is, you know, we already know there's tons of cards waiting in PSA to flood the market coming up, especially for modern cards. Yep. But there are a lot of people pulling, they're doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm pulling out cards from my 80 sets that are nice and crispy. Um, I'm going to be contributing in my own little way to actually pumping up some of these population reports. I know that in the 9091 premiere set, get ready. I'm, I'm going to pump up some numbers uh, for the gem cards. So that's going to be interesting to see what that does to value at this point. It is what it is right now in terms of what's available when you're looking for something. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be interesting every six months, there's going to be a lot of cards. How do we, how do we feel about the value of, seeing a slap you know like and I, we talked about this a while ago when people were coming at me with the the psa 6 and me telling me me saying that i was going to crack it and just like leave it without anything on it because visually it looks you know people's brains the psa 6 is a no-go but a raw card you know people can get behind that right. i haven't done that it's still a psa 6 but right. The same can be said for a raw card versus a PSA 10. That PSA 10, for some reason, just sets off these alarm bells. And if someone goes hunting for a PSA 10, they almost don't even want to look at, at raw, which yeah. you know has its pros and cons. But how do you feel about like that? It's, it's just crazy how polarized it is. It's the psychology of the slab, man. Right. It's there are people uh, there. There are people that are heading in slab first, so to speak. Um, so, so, yeah, some of the elements you're talking about, like, here's the thing, it's, it's completely legitimate if you want to just be, I am a PSA 10 slab guy. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I'm getting. I would say, even though it might seem simple and you might come off as simple minded, it's, it's intelligent because yeah. you're going to get quadratically the, the highest, you know, bumps and payoffs. If a player plays well, right, you know, their base cards are going to do this. 
and their mint cards are going to do this, but their gem mint cards are going to do something monstrous. Um, you know, and, and you have to keep your, 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 your mind open. I think, I think being strategic and again, this is going to roll back to that, that, that moment that got you in hot water, because it's, it's a lot of hypocrisy in my opinion that came yeah. flying at you yeah. because that what people are doing right now is they're saying, okay, uh, obviously one route to go is gathering up raw cards to grape. And I just want to repeatedly tell people it may not be as simple as you might think, right? Especially if you're just, if, especially if your main outlet is buying online, Dude, you are putting a lot of trust. 90% of his collection off eBay, 90%. I'm going to be real with you. 90%, yeah. I would say, of the cards yeah. that I own, I have purchased from eBay. Yeah, you're, you're a collector. I know that these are not gem, gem. Like you, it's great that you buy them with the intention of, and that was my, my when I first started getting back into it, I was like, I'm going to buy all these cards and they're all going to gem. And the, this one's going to be $500. This one's going to be $300. This one's going to be, and then I realized that this is the wrong mindset because it's just, you're, you're hoping or, or telling yourself that the best case scenario is going to happen. And 90% of the time it doesn't. Well, if you were a collector breaking in in 2019, for example, tell you what you'd be doing. You'd be going to local card shows. If you weren't, I'd be, you know, telling you to. Yeah. You'd be going to local card shows. You'd be hanging out at 401 Games down the street here. You would be cracking wax at 401 Games. You you would be trading and buying in person, buying and selling in person with people at at the trade nights or at the shows, and you'd have so many more different avenues than you do now. Someone breaking in in 2020 found themselves basically getting involved in online breaks and buying on eBay, right? So it's, it becomes even more difficult to source the raw materials where you can create the value and create the grades. Cause that's my favorite. My favorite thing is not my favorite thing is I, and I, and I do this to myself sometimes where it messes me up, but I say, I want to get the card, grade it myself yeah. and create the value rather than buy it. And hey, it's it's worked out a lot, but it's also it's also risky and it's also more time consuming and it's bumpy in terms of the results, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, grading again created to cut out the concept of a seller saying, "Look, it it's mint, okay," and then you receive it and it's not mint, and then the argument ensues. Kind of boring. But the third person party says, "Look, we've taken care of this for you. It's mint." go about your business, whatever that may be. And however that much may be, but um, what we're finding, I mean, look, it's been now, let's just say roughly 30 to 40 years of grading as we know it, it, there, it might even be older, but it may be in some sort of different format, different mindset. Yeah. You take an old slab. There are some really old PSA slabs versus a new one. You know, I only discovered yesterday that if you tilt the new slabs to the light There's downward a to the top, you see a strip of holographic. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that PSA has that watermark. <laughs> Holy shit. And then I went through all my, just to make sure it was there. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know what? The P, the new PSA slab is super impressive. The old one, look, I'm not going to be surprised if there's fakes floating out there. The old one looks really simple. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm, veering, I'm veering off course here, which is super dangerous. I know. Uh, you got to remind me where I was a second ago there. You were talking about. So, so it's been 30, 40 years of grading, there you right? Go. Mistakes have been made. Are yeah. you kidding me? 
You're going to tell me that one time a guy didn't come into work hungover, knowing full well that he couldn't even see straight, but he didn't want to let the boss know because he had a quota. You think PSA is different than your work? Not you, Brendan. You're you're smart. It, the person I'm speaking to who works at an office, you think like, PSA is any different? Like, you don't I, think there's quotas? You don't think there's a manager bugging the grader, tapping him on his shoulder, telling him to hurry up? You're not going to tell me that someone fucked up. You're not going to tell me that someone is just not paying attention and just throwing out certain numbers or doing this or the other, or the other thing. So, you know, just again, as a, as an example, uh, there is a card out there that I, I don't, I'm talking to someone on Instagram about this. I don't want to put out any details, but the idea is it's a, it's, it's a great card and it's in a PSA 10 slab, but it ain't gem mint folks. It's got some very bizarre centering going on. You can compare it to other cards in the set. You can compare it to its own card in another PSA 10 slab. It's the card versus the slab. Well, have you heard about the uh, so the, the Zion that's that sold for seven hundred fifty k? Which one was it? Was it a what was it? It was a one hundred one flawless. Okay. Uh, so it sold for seven hundred fifty k, but it was pulled, and then like three days later, Ken Gold yeah. got it graded. Right. I so mean, like, a lot of people took offense to that because we're all waiting. Well, but. No. My thing is, my thing is like, imagine if Ken Golden gives you a card and says like, grade this thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, how much of that do you think is pressure to get a high grade? You know what I mean? Like, do you think Brandon, you, you are totally 100% right? Okay. Right? That's life. I and agree. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that in, no, no, in I'm, opposition. I'm, not, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know oh, what I'm saying, right? Like, of course, we're not stupid. No, for sure. For sure. Guy at the show, hanging yeah. out with Beckett, giving them a coffee. You know what? I'm going to start, you know, it's never a smart idea to lay into grading companies, given that you give them so much business and they, and you're on their radar. Mind you so much, so much grading these days is being done through uh, middlemen. And uh, I'm, you know, I, I engage in that a little bit when it's convenient for me, Yeah. but I want to lay into Beckett a little bit. Their responses lately about the fake slaps have been ridiculous. Their representative that tweeted that even after they acknowledged it, a representative shows up and says, ah, no, there's no problem. That, that is, that is ridiculous. And I know that guy I've talked to that guy and you know, that, 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 that's, that's incredibly disrespectful. And that's the way people are going to act now, by the way, there's a reason why tops doesn't care that they don't provide customer service. They're making more money than they've ever made this company. All right. Um, So yes, you know, obviously Ken Gold. look, there are really expensive service levels. I could get a card done in about three, four days, Brenda, you know, I could, if I, listen, if I pulled a Mario Lemieux rookie card today, I would do that. I get that zip zap, get that taken care of. Um, how but yeah, uh, there's a lot of, how you know, quick is what, it? what's that? How quick is it? I think you can get like two day service. That doesn't mean it will be exactly two days. It might be three yeah. days, That's... but you can do it right. Think about it. You got to overnight it. They're going to get someone in there because you're paying. It's, it's a few hundred bucks, right? You're, you're, you're paying for that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's fine. You know, uh, we, we have to live with that reality that there yeah. will be, um, there will be favoritism. Nobody wants to talk about these things. No one wants to confront these things, but they're, but they are reality. Like they are in any other element of life. And um, so, yeah, the bottom line is you look at your cards. Don't just look at the slab, look at what's in there. And then that even that, that even more, you know, compounds the issues that we're seeing. Like, like you said, look, people are going to other grading companies right now to buy cards and crack them or cross them. That's a legitimate strategy you know yeah. and if and, and and if you 
are looking to crack, you know, or cross and you happen to remove a card and then you change your mind and you want to sell it raw, there's nothing wrong with that. And people use your eyeballs, right? Like you use your eyeballs, look at the card in the slab, look at it in the top loader, take it out, hold it, do what you need to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, 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 that whole issue is one that I'm still wrapping my, my head around. Not all PSA 10s are created equal. It's, I'm, it's, I feel like it's opening itself up to this ridiculous new concept where, have you heard about this, yeah, this the, diamond the, certified where? rating? Where? Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, that's not unprecedented. A lot of people are making fun of this guy. I'm not going to make fun of anyone who comes up with a legitimate idea and makes money. I should have done it. Or a you solution, you know, like a solution to a problem that's, that's there. You know, it's not unprecedented. They do it in coins. Yeah. It's called CAC. They, they put a little hologram on your NGC coin, okay? And I've seen it. I've looked at that market. It works. Um, do you get a premium? The, 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 the tricky thing for me is there's going to be so many high-end PSA 10s out there, but people don't want this stupid sticker to pay this guy. So he's only going to be seeing a certain sector of people sending them in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a real legitimate thing too. See, I've, I'm very even and balanced on this concept. I don't immediately want to cut this guy's throat. Mm-hmm. but I don't immediately want to give him money. Uh, pat him on the head. You know, it's, it's, but there's a reason why it's happening um, because uh, not all, not all these cards are equal. So I used to tell people, I still have not got, I've still not purchased an Eric Lindros or Martin Brodeur PSA 10 score. And I'm looking as most people should be. And the reason why I haven't is that every time I see PWCC list one of these, they look terrible. Yeah, they look like my raw ones that I know if I send in, I'm not and likely to get like a ten. Six, you know, like. <laughs> but I'm about to experiment. I am about to experiment. With- yeah, might might as well, man. Throw one out there and see what happens. But it's gonna cost money. Like it's gonna cost me a lot of money to experiment. But I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, so if I've got a stack of ten, I'm gonna pull out two or three. Even though, in my opinion, and again, I've told you how picky I am. I have all these cards that I've had friends that like, send it in, man, and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You look at it in the light, it looks as if it's slightly uneven yeah. and people just want to smack me. But listen, it, it ends up, you know, you end up with higher gem rates that way. Yeah. But sure. uh, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, even when you're buying old vintage now, there's no guarantee that, that everything's going to look great coming out. And even when you're buying a graded one, there's no guarantee. Nope. Uh, there, there, speaking of Zion, there was that Zion uh, sil- uh, silver that was given a BGS black label and was quite clearly 80-20 in centering. I know my 80 20 centering did not get a black. You got eight and a half. No. Okay. So, so give me a break. Right. Um, anyway, regardless. Um, I think uh, we should give people their first fitness tip in the last two weeks because we're yeah. terrible people. And, and it's new uh, year's. We got caught up. So I think first and foremost, what we should do, is talk a little bit about what you think the number one exercise anyone can do is at home, outside, under any circumstances. Just give them one exercise. If they were going to do this one exercise, let's say three times a week, you know, give them a have rep seen, range. Have you ever seen the movie Taxi Driver? I have. Okay. You know, you could do some push ups. Push ups. People will traditionally associate with their chest, but I got news for you. If you're doing a proper push-up, you're working your chest, your lats, your shoulders, your core, 
Yeah. You're even working your, your, your booty a little bit if you're squeezing your ass like you should be. Um, everyone's got a lot more ass now after the last few months. I'm rocking like a nice juicy buttocks and uh, everybody loves juicy buttocks, but you want the muscle underneath the juicy buttocks, right? So uh, I'd recommend squatting and pushing and pushing up literally up and down through your hips and knees or up and down through your elbows and shoulders. So what Brendan is doing here is a squat. He's probably doing it better than you and with better form because he can, your, your butt's looking a little juicy there. So, so, those are, so those are squats. And what we're saying is do that all the time. Do it. If you don't have any weights, do like, you don't, you don't need the weights, just do it and your body will thank you. And I think just to put out there, Brendan, if you want to add a little kind of tips and tricks here um, without overcomplicating it, because the squat is incredibly complicated. I, I've been studying the squat for 30 fucking years. So I'm not sitting here saying, go do a perfect squat. I'm saying, do a squat, do it basically correct. Keep an eye on trying to see how low you can go. You might get frustrated because there might be certain tightness. Guess what? Go stretch. But nonetheless, have an eye for getting lower. Have an eye for keeping good posture. Have an eye for trying to connect with the muscles that are involved. Same deal with push-ups. You can start on your knees. You can do those, what they call, quote unquote, girl push-ups. I've had guys do girl push-ups. I have girls who do awesome guy push-ups. They're not girl push-ups. Do them on your knees. Get your knees off the ground. Make sure your shoulders are back. Don't do any of this kind of weird forward and back motion. You're up and down yeah. in a straight line. Yeah. And uh, that's what I would say you can get to work on today. Do five reps of each. I do think 10 people, reps of each tomorrow. I think people overcomplicate exercise. I think... If well, because think, it's, it's easier to do that so you don't have to do it. If they think that they're not going to do something perfectly, they just don't do it. And here we are saying that it's actually, it could not be more opposite. You know, do more exercise, even if it's not perfect, because all that, the accumulation of all that is going to result in calories burnt versus you focusing and fixating on, on being perfect, which is going to result in zero calories burnt. You can and moving better, moving better starts with moving and your goal should be to move better. Anyone who moves better starts to become more athletic, starts to become better at everything, faster, stronger, et cetera. And it starts with moving and there's no shame in that game. And you don't have to post every day on Instagram. Oh, I did 10 squats. You're going to be embarrassed that you did 10 bodyweight squats because some guy was doing pull-ups or something. Just do it. Don't share it. Keep it to yourself. Progress the classic coach co line. Small progress every day, a little bit, bit by bit, 100%. It. Right? I think that uh, maybe we should challenge our listeners to do 10 squats a day for the next week. You know, just try. Try. I'm going to say this 10 squats and five push ups every day till the next podcast, and then just check out how you feel. Yeah. Right? Honestly. Increase your water. Make sure you're drinking like two liters of water. I was about to say that. Yeah, man. That's because we're What would happen if we drop on Mondays, right? So from Monday to Monday, what would happen? How would you feel if you had two to five big, tall glasses of fresh water? All right? Not, uh, I had tea. It had the water in it. Fucking water. Two to five glasses. You're drinking water constantly during these damn podcasts, man. Five push-ups a day. Ladies, get on your knees and do them. I don't give a crap five push-ups the basic push-up movement 10, 10 squats five. the basic 10 squat movements okay 
or 10 basic squat movements is what I'm getting at. Consciously eat a little less sugar. Let's not get into the details there. See how you feel just on what we just said from the Monday to, to the Monday. Because you know what I think is going to happen? I think that you're going to want to increase the number of reps you're doing, the number of sets you're doing. I think that once you start going, you're going to want to keep going. So let's start small. Let's stop focusing on being perfect in everything we do. But today it's going to be exercise. Let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Let's- and let's, perfect. Let's, let's also throw it out there because you and I are probably the least salesy of all the potential podcasts out there because there's always a product hidden in the background. Uh, but that being said, we are the cardboard coaches because we are coaches. Yep. All right. And we've been helping people for an absurdly long amount of time. Seriously, even you, the young gun, I might be the veteran, you're the young gun, but we've both been working with human beings for a very long period of time. Yep. If you need the help in any way, shape or form, you could do worse than reaching out to Coach Co or the Sports Card Cartel. You're going to be dealing with people that have very youthful mindsets that are into the stuff that you're into. I mean, hey, if you're going to work with someone, kind of cool that they're also into cards, right? Yeah. But that being said, you're also working with people with experience and who are extremely caring. And uh, it's what we do throughout the day. If we're not doing a podcast or we're not uh, putting together a PSA order, we are with our clients and we've stuck with our clients through the, through the lockdown via Zoom. It's incredibly satisfying. You know exactly what I'm talking about, Brendan, because uh, I mean, it's uplifting to me. I've had major problems through, through the lockdown when it comes to physicality and working out. I'm not dealing well mentally with being away from barbells, yeah. um, but my clients are really inspirational. They, they've been working out nonstop. And they've not let themselves get pulled down. It's amazing. You see, and we capped this, this bitch fest in the beginning off with some <laughs> real horror, uh, some, some warm and fuzzies. And that's what I love, you know? There All we right, go. team. I hope you guys enjoyed shooting the shit with the, the Coach Co. and the cardboard. Fucking, I can't even do this. You know, sometimes I get brain dead by the end of it. Sometimes. The Sometimes. cardboard cartel and the co-coach. How about how about you do the exit? How about that? Ladies That's and gentlemen, that. thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Be careful out there in a hot market. There are a lot of opportunities, but there are a lot of uh, big, scary pitfalls. And uh, P.S. Great time to sell when hockey starts and everyone's out to a hot start. AKA Miko Rantanen. I'm just putting it out there. And uh, uh, we hope to see you next week. We hope you take some of our coaching advice because we want you happy and healthy for when you are waiting on the trigger to win that auction at the last second. We are the cardboard coaches. That is Coach Co. I am the cartel. And we will see you soon. What he said. <laughs>